That's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Miller, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. Manchester City have returned at the top of the Premier League table with two wins since we last recorded. Liverpool recorded their second straight draw, drawing 1-1 at West Ham. Chelsea unloaded on Huddersfield to end the week with a 5-4 aggregate victory (laughs) Uh, after... Wednesday's 4-0 thrashing at Bournemouth. Tottenham eked out a 1-0 draw with Newcastle. Man United eked out a similar result at Leicester. And Arsenal struggled to maintain their fourth place in the Premier League, losing 3-1 at the previously mentioned Manchester City. I'm Alex, here with Javier. It's okay, fourth place. We'll be back soon. You'll be back soon with the the reverse fiction? We'll be back. I'll see you at the end of the season, fourth place. We'll be back. So It It was good to be there for a couple days. It was nice. Felt good. Just get the hang of it. Get yeah, get your bearings. Feel your surroundings. Home. Just being back home. Back Wenger's home, favorite really. place. Right. Wenger's favorite place. Just nestled right in there and forth. Uh, on lovely. goal difference ahead of another London club. I was so happy uh, just looking at the table and seeing us in fourth. Just like, ah, everything is right with the world. And now we're back into six. And it's like the new, Ar- the, the old Arsenal, old new Arsenal is back. <laughs> Back into six I don't even want to dive into the old new Arsenal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get to record on Monday night. So we're going to run through a couple of recaps uh, here tonight before jumping to the previews for this weekend. As previously mentioned, where Chelsea beat Huddersfield this weekend uh, and Arsenal lost at Manchester City, those fixtures are going to be pretty much flipped where Arsenal are going to go to Huddersfield this weekend and Chelsea are going to go to Man City. So uh chance for Arsenal to jump right back into that fourth place if City can keep up their winning run. But we'll preview uh, those games and more a little bit later in the show. Let's start with our recaps. Tottenham beat Newcastle 1-0 at Wembley. Uh, I got this result right in our pick-ems. Uh, Ming Sun scored in the 83rd minute uh, with a pretty, it's fair to say... <laughs> pretty lucky goal. Lucky, uh, yeah. A lucky mix-up from Dubravka, who'd been playing... Fabulously, the, basically this entire season. Yeah, really, really unlucky. Newcastle did well. Newcastle could have won this game. Newcastle had like Solomon Rondon hit the post. Uh, they had uh, Iosi Perez curl in a shot from just outside the eighteen yard box. Another shit made a great team lets save us down on. again. Yeah, just like every. Much. It's like four weeks in a row now where there's been like a shit team that's had Tottenham like either losing or like tied, and you're just like, ah, Tottenham are dropping points finally. Like. And then they always fucking score in the 80-whatever minute, and uh, it's miserable. I hate you, Tottenham. Like, enjoy never winning anything. They currently sit five uh, points off the top of the table. Yeah, they, they're literally talking about the title right now. Like, that's how much I hate them. Like, they, they're talking about the title again. Like, you guys are not going to win the title. I mean, there's there's uh, a very – I mean, what, what happens if after this weekend, Liverpool have drawn two games in a row – what if City get a shock draw with Chelsea, Liverpool draw Bournemouth and drop points again? All of a sudden, Tottenham are like, they're right up there with without even two of their three or four yeah, best players. Yeah, and they players. do have that that run at the end of the season of just like a bunch of home games where you know they I still have in the a middle, bunch of home They're in the middle left. of that right now. They uh, yeah, they are in the middle of it, but they just had a few of them in a row. It's paying dividends. When when you go one nil down to Watford, like they did. Uh, a week ago, it's a lot easier to come back when you're at home uh, and win that kind of game. And when you're you're, you're having a tough time of things against a uh, I don't want to say a struggling Newcastle, but like a defensively resolute Newcastle who are just coming off a very impressive defensive performance uh, against Manchester City at, in midweek, it, it it really highlights the the importance of players like Yong Ming Sun, direct players uh, that when Harry Kane and Deli Ali, like uh, some of their other frequent goal scorers, are out of the lineup, it's just it's green light to shoot for Yong Ming Sun, and he looked kind of out of the game. I want to say for a big part of the first half, just because Lucas Moura was being played as center forward. They eventually bring on Lorente, and that's how Son ends up getting the goal. Lorente 
has a knockdown which looked like it hit his hand. So, you know, VAR might have ruled that one out. Uh, and he knocks it down to Son in the uh, 83rd minute. Son powers a shot directly at Dubravka that Dubravka just can't keep out. And Spurs just keep plugging away, just like that Watford game, just like that Fulham away game a couple weeks ago where they came back to win it in the 90th minute or something. Spurs just had, there's something about Spurs. It's definitely, it's, it's a different team than in previous years. And I said to you guys at the beginning of the season, why are you, why are you guys not, why is no one considering Spurs for the top four? Like they've been there the last three years. It kind of feels like now they're at the point that they, they know how to beat everyone beneath them. It's just the teams around them in the top six that like, it's, I think it's because they the just didn't sometimes. reinforce it all. People were just kind of like, you know, where, where's the, what, what's going on here? But yeah, they've, they've been brilliant, even with injuries and bringing up youth players, they've still been really good. So props to them. Let's jump to the 10 a.m. games. Brighton drew Watford 0-0. Burnley drew Southampton 1-1. Andrew got this result right. Goals from Nathan Redmond in the 55th minute and Ashley Barnes uh, equalizing with a penalty in the 94th minute. Chelsea beat Huddersfield 5-0 at Stamford Bridge. Uh, two goals from Gonzalo Higuain and two goals from Eden Hazard before a David Luiz uh, corner kick header in the 86th minute made it uh, 5-0. Chelsea fans were way too happy about this result. It's I, just nice to have someone that, like, when they uh, get a chance in the, in the box, the Javier, they make a good contact with the ball. And you're at home, and you have a fantastic home record. Like... Of course you would destroy them. We've lost to Leicester at home this year, Javier. <laughs> Who else did you lose to at home? We haven't really lost anyone else. We've drawn. Right. Okay, that's that's drawn a pretty good record then. <laughs> Liverpool, United, beat you guys, beat City. Yeah, so we're like obviously we're good at home, but I mean I'm, I'm not going to get ahead of myself with the Gonzalo Higuain hype. It's just nice to have uh, someone that not only can consistently link up with Eden Hazard, just like Giroud can do that pretty well when he's in the field, but someone who's going to be willing and like intelligent enough to make those runs uh, in behind. He doesn't even necessarily need to be pacey to make them. Like uh, he got on the end of that N'Golo Kante pass to open the scoring. A really nice, okay, yeah, that, that well-threaded first goal, pass. That first goal, I want to say, was was a goal that Murata or Giroud could not score because right. the way that he directed where he wanted the ball, made his run, and then just finished, like took one touch and finished goals. like pretty ferociously. Morata didn't score a single goal from outside the box when he was at Chelsea. I don't think Giroud has scored a goal from outside the box against uh, or for Chelsea either. I think like, the second goal was a little bit fortunate, but... Just for the deflection? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, the, but the point I wanted to make after the intelligence of Higuain's movement was also that every time he gets a chance, he, like 90% of the time, how about that? 90% of the time when he gets a chance... He's making a good contact on the ball. He's like he's always making solid contact, and he's right. He's not Morata who's just gonna like fluff it over the bar, or like right, Jared who's gonna like miss, who's just gonna miss the shot it. completely. And you're just like, he's, what? Like, he scored goals everywhere he's gone. Like, just try to give him as many chances as possible in a system that we're already gonna have the ball for the majority of the time. And he knows the system. He 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 yeah, knows, he knows it, it in the back of his that's, hand. That's that's a and now, he, now he's got a better player in this system alongside of him than he ever had at Napoli, Eden Hazard. And I mentioned to you before we started recording, uh, Hazard and Higuain in these two games, one of them not so great, the Bournemouth loss, but then obviously Saturday, the great 5-0 win. Those two games, Hazard and Higuain have combined with passes to eat one another more times than Hazard has with either Morata or Giroud earlier in this season. And I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but Hazard played way more than two games with one of uh, Murata or Giroud uh, to start this season. So for them to surpass that and already have a great like understanding uh, where one or the other wants the ball and the timing of each other's runs, it's just nice to see. Even if it is against bad opposition, it was just it was the perfect like tonic for what Chelsea uh, needed after such a terrible midweek result. Do you have any thoughts about that Chelsea game? I don't don't think you watched it, did you? No. Yeah. I mean, just that. It's you can hold off until we get to the... As, as you guys say. It yeah, is. I, mean, I didn't say it was impressive. That was exactly the opposite of what I said. <laughs> um, we can hold the off Chelsea until the... Chelsea fan base in general. Okay, maybe... Is, is it your dad <laughs> texting you about how great Iguain is and... Not just him. <laughs> Not just him? You got Reddit. other Chelsea fans? Reddit, yes. Uh, okay, all right. Don't listen to the 18-year-olds, Javier. Don't listen to the 17-year-olds who think that... 
Higuain's going to come in and put up FIFA 19 numbers. Um, but we'll wait until the uh, City uh, Chelsea preview to talk a little bit more about uh, Chelsea's prospects going forward. Let's jump to Crystal Palace, who beat Fulham 2-0 at home on Saturday. Goals from uh, Milivojevic in the 25th minute on a penalty. And Jeffrey Schlupp in the 87th minute off a rebound from a Mishi Bakshiwai shot. Bakshiwai already uh, pulling through at Crystal Palace. Also going on on Saturday at 10 a.m., Everton... Lost at home to Wolves, 3-1. Goals from Ruben Neves in the 7th minute from a penalty. Uh, Andre Gomez equalized for Everton in the 27th minute. For Everton's set-piece curse came back to haunt them as uh, Raul Jimenez snuck in behind their defense to get a free header and head Wolves in front in the 45th minute when finally Leander Dendonker made it 3-1 in the 66th minute. Pretty impressive win for Wolves, right? Yeah, I mean, they're pretty much solidified. They solidified themselves as the best of the rest with that win. Yeah, they're like, the best. They're the going best. to Everton. They're, they're the closest thing to, like, a top seven team that we've had, I think. Just in terms of, like, they have a bunch of young players that are really good. If those players stay at that team, like they're definitely going to be contending for top four in the future. If they keep buying players and building, I mean, they're they're under uh, supposedly a four year plan to be in the Champions League by year four, and they are doing this a good is job. year this they is year two. <laughs> so uh, they have next year to qualify for the Champions League, and then in the fourth year be in the Champions League. I mean, it would be an amazing ascendancy that we haven't seen probably since I want to say the likes of wait, their plan is not- to win the Champions League. No, to get into the Champions League, oh, be to playing get in, in the there. Champions in the, League. Yeah, by, that'd still be crazy. By year four, right? Yeah, that would still be crazy. It, it, that may, basically means to qualify for the Champions League next season, so that in the fourth season they're playing in the Champions League. So, yeah, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I think Wolves are the the, the the biggest threat from those best of that best of the rest group of Wolves, Everton, Watford, Bournemouth, Leicester. They're probably the most likely with the most ambition to actually make a real push for it and uh, maybe challenge the top six. We have some uh, we have some more company. It's the last thing I want for Chelsea, but, you know, whatever's best for the league, I guess. Uh, let's jump to Cardiff, who had their first home game since it was confirmed that Emiliano Salas' uh, plane did go down into the channel. They had a very moving ceremony before the game, and I think in the uh, 29th minute, a round of applause uh, for the striker and uh Cardiff came through with a 2-0 win against the Bournemouth team, which uh, looked to be back on track, but they've got injuries not only to Callum Wilson now, but uh, David Brooks got injured in that Chelsea win, and he's going to be out for four weeks. Two goals from Bobby Reid for Cardiff City. Car- Cardiff are the only one of those bottom three teams, them Wolves, uh, sorry, them Fulham and Huddersfield, that they're the only one that's within two or three points of uh, Burnley and, and Crystal Palace and, and Southampton just outside the relegation zone. So... Yeah, they're competitive to have a good fight. I'm happy for them. And uh, it's obviously the best way to uh, have such an emotional day and uh, send off a player that never got to wear the shirt. Let's move on to the Sunday games. Man United went to Leicester and uh, won 1-0, just one goal from Marcus Rashford in the ninth minute. And then United held on to uh, preserve the three points. Did you get to watch this one? I did. I Well, I watched the like extended highlights of it, and I thought that... This was United's worst game under Solskjaer. That it's a tough they, game going to. They Leicester. definitely got lucky to to get a one nil win in this. Um, they definitely should have conceded a couple times, but uh, De Gea did his usual thing, where you know he seems to be definitely back at his best. Where you know he was definitely one of those players that under Mourinho suffered a huge dip, and he seems to be get, getting United points again and again, and. Yeah, it's crazy that they're above Arsenal right now because we were 10 points above them, you know, uh, two months ago. So, you know, props to Solskjaer that they played badly and still won. And props to Unai Emery for running Arsenal into the ground. Yeah, something like that. (laughs) But I think that United, they do have a really difficult second, you know, February slash, you know, second half of the season. So let's see what happens because... They kind of did get thrown a little bit of a softball, you know, this this run of fixtures they had. And yeah, now, now they're going to have serious. Yeah, now they're going to have a, a really difficult run that they're bound to pick up a, a few losses. So let's see how United does when that happens and let's see the reaction from the team. But again, this is, you know, it, this feels like 
the magic's back for them. Like they're losing, they're winning games when they're playing bad. When they're playing well, they're scoring three or four goals, and they're destroying teams at home. They're eking eking out wins away. I don't know. It's uh, I would be excited if I was a United fan. Also, obviously, Marcus Rashford needs to start at center forward every single game from now on. For I mean, as long there's as no he's question at, at this Manchester point. He's United. there. He's their center forward. Like all the all the important games that they've played, basically, he uh, he's started at center forward. I know the only time he's really been rested were two two games. The Arsenal away game, which I, I think it was just a rotation thing, and they wanted to play Lukaku and Alexis in that one uh, in the FA Cup. And then what was the game? The Burnley game, where they started with Lukaku up top, went down 2-0, uh, took Lukaku off and moved Rashford back to center forward, got themselves back in the game and ended up drawing 2-2. So I think it's pretty it's pretty clear to everyone else uh, at this point that Rashford at center forward is the best way forward for United. But I did just want to run through that uh, difficult run that you mentioned that United have coming up. Uh, it, it's going to start after this weekend. They have a trip to Fulham, which we don't anticipate being too uh, difficult. But then after that, they have the uh, away leg in midweek of their PSG uh, Champions League uh, fixture. Then they have, uh, or is that actually, sorry, that's at home. Then they have uh, a trip to Stamford Bridge in the FA Cup the following Monday. And then the following weekend, they'll host Liverpool. And then pretty soon after in the league, they'll have to play uh, Arsenal and Manchester City in quick succession. So that's pretty brutal. <laughs> I mean, it's it decides whether they get back in the top four or not. If they win half those games or three quarters of those games, they're back in the top four, and it's it's everything's to change for them. So let's move on to the big game of the weekend. Manchester City beat Arsenal three one at home on a Sunday morning. Patrick from Sergio Aguero in the first 44th and 61st minute. Uh, Lauren Koscielny managed to level it up in the 11th minute off a uh, corner kick. Uh, I got this score prediction correct, 3-1. That's, uh, that seems to be my go-to scoreline for Man City in any game against the top six. Uh, it usually comes to fruition. Uh this was a. Th- th- I thought this was a pretty impressive performance by both teams, actually. I know Arsenal were pretty like clearly second best on the day. But it wasn't like the, the typical lie down and roll over Arsenal performance like the Liverpool one, like we've seen them at times in the in the past couple of years under Wenger. Do you see the same things of me yeah, as me, or are you was, pretty much this just was this was down? just like City are better than us? I mean, we didn't yeah. play terrible. We had a game plan, and we executed it. Not bad, not great, but not bad. And our defense ultimately is just not good enough, um, and we're gonna have trouble. With teams, you know, worse than Manchester City. But, yeah, I mean, I thought to keep them to three goals was, was pretty good. And Leno actually had a pretty good game. He uh, he saved us a few times in this. And, uh, yeah, just unfortunate. One of Aguero's goals was, was like, came in off his arm. It was a little bit uh, yeah, controversial. I think if VAR existed, that wouldn't have been a goal. But I don't think it would have changed the result at all. I mean, they were always going to win this game. So... Yeah, I mean, I'm not like too disappointed. It was away at City. I, I expected the loss. Uh, I mean, I did predict us to lose. So, yeah, I mean, I just not not too different to what I expected the result to happen. You know, um, I I would have wished for Lacazette or Bombing to get a goal in this game. That's probably the one thing that's glaring. But when they have Torreira, Guendouzi behind them, it's really hard to get service. You really need a creative midfielder in there, and I think that's why we brought Dennis Suarez in. But you know, very interesting that Emery, when given the the chance, you know, when we're three one down to to bring on, you know, a player to change the game, he chooses his new signing, Dennis Suarez, over you know Messi Dozil, who's being paid three hundred thousand pounds a week and is you know supposedly one of the captains of the team. It's it just beg, begs the question of you know what the hell is going on, you know what what's what what I know you don't want. Ozil playing. I don't, but I just like I, I like I, I thought he I was going to play more than this. Like they can't get rid of him, and they don't want to play him because he is a net negative on your team when you play him. You're literally playing with ten men when you don't have the ball. That like I have said this about Ozil for many a time. I feel terrible that I have to sort of reaffirm this, but it's it's better to have uh, more solidity in your midfield. And I was gonna I was gonna say. Uh, 
you might disparage the creativity of Guendouzi and Torreira, but I thought this was one of like their their best games, specifically. No, no they away both played the great. Six. They both played great, at least defensively and like energy wise. Um, but I thought that like we just had no service for Lacazette and Aubameyang this game. It was really difficult to get them the ball. <coughs> you know, we were missing kind of that metronome guy who. Gwendouzi's good, but he's he's still too raw, and a lot of his passes still get intercepted. Yeah, you know he just doesn't have that extra like, you know, a well, little bit culprits. of a little bit of experience to get to get every you know to get those through balls in every time. He's not good enough to do it yet, and you need a player like Grand Jaka is much much better at it. And Jaka was injured for this game. We definitely could have used him in this game, but yeah, I I don't I don't want to take too much out of this game. I thought that. City were good. They deserve the win, and you know we're we're gonna we we have our hardest games behind us now. You know we have away Spurs, home United, and that's it left out of the top six. And then away Wolves is the other like really hard fixture. But everything Do you else, have away Everton still to go. Yeah, but we always you win. always beat them there. Yeah, yeah that's we what always I, win at Everton. That's what I thought you always destroy them. Yeah, I was gonna say the main culprits that sort of were Arsenal's downfall were Mustafi and uh, Stefan Licksteiner. No, I, th- I uh, okay. Mustafi was pretty good this game. Like okay, dude, come uh, like, on. The first I, I goal. Don't, I don't like literally Mustafi. like a minute into the game. Mustafi is keeping Aguero so onside. Like, yeah, but yeah, I agree. That was horrible. Like, but the rest of the game, he played well. It's such a bad like like precedent to just set for the game. They're like, all right, you're just going to be able to walk through us and just sort of place a ball on your, your center forward's head. <laughs> like, it just it set the tone for the rest of the game that uh, Arsenal were second best and they were going to have to work really hard and almost have a perfect game to have any chance. And Arsenal's players can't, well, not very many players at all, but Arsenal's players can't operate under that much uh, that much pressure. And every time I saw Mustafi and more specifically Licksteiner get the ball, where Torreira and Guendouzi would do a good job, sort of uh, harassing the the midfield and like pressuring and getting the ball back, and they would lay it back to uh, someone in the back line to try and make one of those counterattacks we talked about in the preview last week, where you play a ball over the top into the wide areas to have uh, Aubameyang or Lacazette run onto it, and then like start the counterattack from there. City saw it coming from a mile away. I mean, we all knew it was going to happen, and City had it pretty much just snuffed out right from the beginning. Like they were, they were ready for it. So it just ended up looking like Licksteiner and Mustafi were just hoofing balls to get it out of pressure. And the plan didn't work. And yeah, I, I'm interested to see uh, in the future. So obviously, like next season, how Emery sort of uh, adjusts to some of these teams after he's seen these teams and these coaches like the first time. I know you said they, he's already played them once, but you know, a full season of playing in the Premier League and being able to adjust mid-game and everything like that. I think you know Arsenal could make improvements and get good results in these games uh, in the future. Let's move on to the last game of the weekend, West Ham. Managed to get a 1-1 draw with Liverpool on Monday night. Uh, goals from uh, Sadio Mane. Uh, I don't have the minute here. I completely re- forgot to write down the uh, the times for these goals. But Sadio Mane scored uh, early in the first half before uh, and Mikel Antonio equalized just before half time. Do you get a chance to watch this one? You're busy? I kind of made a point to watch this one. I watched bits and parts of it. Uh, I was at work, but I was watching it on a stream. I did see the Mane goal. Um I thought Liverpool were were lucky to get uh, a draw in this game. I thought See, that they were. Everyone not seems at to it. think that, except Liverpool fans and except Jurgen Klopp. Um, Did you, you know, hear about were, what they happened? Were definitely lucky. I mean, West Ham. West Ham in the first twenty minutes played really, really well. At least when I was watching, and then you know Liverpool went up, which was kind of against the run of play. Definitely against the run of play. Not kind yeah. of. It was definitely against the run of play, and. West Ham's equalizer was no more than they deserved at that point. And then they played Liverpool really well in the second half, you know, to a nil-nil draw and easily could have won the game in, in a couple of moments. So I thought that, you know, bravo from for West Ham for that performance and maybe a little bit of worry, Liverpool fans, because you've dropped... Mm. A lot of points in these last few weeks, more than you did for the entire rest of the last five games. You've dropped seven points, right? Three, four, five, six. Yeah. And the entire rest of the season, you'd only drop six. So that's got to be worrying because you've got a really difficult run of fixtures coming up. You've got Champions League. 
Uh, I guess good for you that you're not in any other cups because if you had anything else to be doing, you know, your team would probably fall apart. So, you know, uh, they're really going to have to. If if they lose the league, if they choke the league away, that means there's no excuse. (laughs) You know, they weren't they weren't tied up. They went away to Dubai for 10 days before this uh, West Ham game. Because they had ten days between their uh, the the Leicester home game and the the West Ham one, something like that, and they still drew. You know, there's there's no excuse. <laughs> Maybe it's the pressure getting to them. I don't really think so. I think it's more the recent injuries. It's I think Joe Gomez isn't going to be back for another like a couple of weeks. Like he was supposed to be back in January, and now it's all of a sudden another couple of weeks. You've got Trent coming back soon, but I, I think in in, in midfield. We were praising the Fabinho Keita partnership early on in the season, but they they played like another double double pivot of those two. Uh, no, actually, we were praising the Keita Fabinho Wijnaldum trio, and Wijnaldum was out for this game injured. They really missed Wijnaldum. I was just going to say that their progression of the ball on on the counter attack was. I don't want to say it was like bad because West Ham themselves did really well to to pressure like in like uh, in the middle of the pitch and high up where Felipe Anderson and Declan Rice were both like really really good but you still feel like Liverpool a team of their quality who have you know been able to progress the ball pretty well against like Manchester City at Manchester City this season in that one or that 2-1 loss uh, there were times where like they couldn't get out of their own half and, and West Ham would keep winning it high up and keep creating chances of their own, like pretty high percentage chances. So I think there's something to be worried about, but I also think these are just two kind of tricky fixtures. Leicester at home, if Leicester show up inside, they're ready to play, then you know it's going to be a tough game. And, and that was a snow game also that Liverpool struggled with. And West Ham away, we've seen them plenty of times already this season beat and or get a draw from teams like Arsenal, Chelsea, Man United, uh, they're another one that if it's the the right atmosphere in that stadium and the team want it enough and they're well drilled enough and Pellegrini's prepared them, they can get a result against anyone in the league. So uh, I'm happy they're not in first anymore. I'm uh, I'm really interested to, interested to see what their reaction is, like specifically that Man United away game coming up in I think two weeks because if they lose that one and now there's all of a sudden a three or four point gap between themselves and Manchester City. You know the whole the whole coin's flipped, and now it's Liverpool. We have to like dig even deeper to get back. And Liverpool at one point this season, what were they like? Seven points ahead, ten points ahead. Back yeah, in going December? into the City game, they were seven I think ahead. seven ahead, and they would have been ten ahead if they won. But that ended up only being four. What else do you see from this Liverpool game? Uh, I don't know. That makes you worried, I guess. No, just like just that they've been slipping up more lately that than they were before, and that their form is you know not what it uh. Not what it was, just just because the the how difficult and how congested these next couple months are. That, you know, this is not the best time to be having injuries. And, you know, I'm glad that a lot of Arsenal players are coming back from injury right now. You know, we're getting a lot of our players back, so we had our kind of injury bug. You know, if if you start getting a lot of injuries right now during the season, I've seen it all too many times. Liverpool fans, you know, title <laughs> title title defenses Arsenal. can. Yeah, title defenses can collapse in February and March. It's happened many, many times. So the amount of times that Arsenal has been like top at like in January and then just like ends up like fourth, you're just like, okay, <laughs> you know, that's happened many seasons for Arsenal fans. So it, Champions League can change a lot of things. Injuries can change a lot of things. There's still a lot of games left. You know, I would uh, don't 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 disrespect any opposition. Yeah, they, they won't be able to afford to because, as I mentioned with those two tricky games against mid-table opposition, their, their next four games are against mid-table or better sides. They have home Bournemouth at United, home Watford at Everton. So uh, three or four games there that they should win. But, you know, if they have similar performances to this uh, West Ham or Leicester one, wouldn't be surprised to see them draw like two of those mid-table games, uh, specifically the away ones against like Everton uh, and Maybe even lose the one at United. So we'll uh, we'll see how that uh, shapes up. We'll preview that Bournemouth home game Liverpool have a little bit later in the pod. Do you want to touch quickly on Man City's uh, table topping win today that put them back in first place for the time being? They uh, beat Everton two 0 at Goodison Park. Goals at the end of each half from Juan Laporte and uh, Gabriel Jesus sealed the two 0 victory for City. Uh, I didn't it get was, to watch uh, this one since I was at work. Yeah, it was. No, I, I did get to catch this one. Um, 
It was a good performance from City. Uh, they definitely looked a little bit tired, obviously, coming in in a, in a mid-game here, and they've got a pretty frantic schedule coming up. So they rested De Bruyne for this one. And, yeah, they also rested Raheem Sterling. Um, interestingly, uh, Leroy Sané came off in, like, the 55th minute and just was not really involved in the game, didn't start in the last game. And it's kind of crazy because he was on such hot and good form that he suddenly just fell off the planet. Something, you know, maybe he has a little injury or something happened. I don't know, but uh, that's maybe something to take his from this game. Maybe saved his life a little bit for uh, Chelsea this weekend. They they brought Aguero off pretty early. Gabriel Jesus came on and, and looked lively. Um, you know, they've got depth. They look scary. Again, like you said earlier in the in the in the show, Everton. You know, they're they're. They're kind of Jackal and Hyde with their defense, and it's really those set pieces that have been their undoing, and another set piece here was their undoing. So I, you know, they really, if they fix that, I, th- I feel like they're they're going to have, you know, a much better shot at, at, at pushing the top teams. They have a few players on loan, like Zuma, right? I think he's on loan, or did they, did they actually buy him? Uh, he's on loan, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, if they could actually, like, you know, maybe lock him down, he, he'd probably be one to have, but maybe they need someone even better than that. I don't know. Michael Keane's pretty good. I think uh, Yerry Mina needs... is the other one. Yeah, and Yerry Mina is the other one. I mean, you'd think on paper those are those are good enough center backs to 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 make it, but it's just they're not cutting it right now on these set pieces. So it's kind of bizarre. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a personnel issue with set pieces because they're playing they're playing zone playing zonal zonal marking so. It's it's a team issue. It's like how how well the team's been drilled, defending those spaces and making those spaces their own when the ball comes in. Like maybe it's something that will take time, uh, and that's one thing that Marco Silva has never really been afforded. So maybe with time they they improve and become more settled and well drilled in his in his system, like in all facets, not just the uh, set piece side of it. Uh, I, I think Everton have spent enough money and have waited long enough for Marco Silva to warrant uh, giving him plenty of time now that he's finally here and he's spent big money on players like Richarlison to uh, to shape the squad in his image. So like, I, I think the, the Marco Silva out-talk is still a little uh, premature from some Everton fans, but uh, I can understand why it might be a little bit of a frustrating season so far. That wraps up for the recaps. To end this week, the score prediction table that uh, we have going on here. It's going to end this week with Andrew still on top with 13 points. He got uh, one result correct this week, but I took the point for this week, uh, getting two right. And uh, I jumped back up to 12 points alongside Javier, just behind Andrew. So... Still all to play for, and uh, let's jump to the previews. Let's start at Craven Cottage, where Fulham will host Man United Saturday at 7.30 a.m. Andrew has a 2-0 win for Manchester United. I've got a 3-1 win for Man United. And uh, Javier, how do you see this one going? Yeah, I mean, we all kind of see it shaping up the same way. I think United will win this as well. I don't know if it's going to be an easy game for them, but I think that this is like desperation time for Fulham, and I think that their players are going to have to dig, you know, deep in to, to try and get anything out of this game. And, you know, in, in an unbeaten team that hasn't lost in the last nine games, eight wins and a draw, um, it's going to be a huge ask for Fulham to get anything out of this. But I think they're at home. They're going to have to put in a performance to the fans and, and show some heart. And I think Ranieri will, will motivate them for this game. So I think it's going to be a close one. That's why I have 2-1. But I think ultimately the quality that United have up front is just going to be too much to handle. See, I think the time for uh, panicking and uh, and for being desperate was a week ago when Fulham were down 2-0 at home against Brighton and they came back and won 4-2. And that's typically where you think, okay, Fulham have turned the corner. They've figured something out. They have to continue that form if they have any hope of staying up. But that loss to Crystal Palace this past weekend, especially Crystal Palace, are in 14th place. And they're like a, they're four points above the relegation zone, but you know they're still just on the edge of being like a relegation rival for Fulham. To lose that game, it's, it's a backbreaker. And now for the remainder of their season, they still have United, obviously, Chelsea, uh, Arsenal. No, not Arsenal, sorry. Chelsea, City, Tottenham. They've got a bunch of really difficult games in the run-in that I don't see them overcoming. And secondly, I, I don't see them overcoming this, what is it now? It's a, oh God, math. They're five points behind Cardiff, who are in 18th. So they're seven points behind Burnley, uh, in, who are safe right now. 
I don't see them making up a seven point uh, differential between now and the end of the season. It's we we've definitely it's, seen it's, crazier escapes than that. We have. Like, I just haven't seen it consistently enough from Fulham. They, they would literally have to go on like a the season a significant winning run. They were god awful the first half of the season, and they showed no consistency whatsoever. But they did show promising performances where they lost. I don't know how many of those Fulham has shown. So yeah, I agree with you that they probably don't have the same potential as that Leicester team did. But that was a Leicester team, you know, without N'Golo Conte and, you know, with a bunch of mediocre championship players that they then got rid of that team, you know, got rid of that year for it to, to then go on the well, I mean, they had year next year. But <laughs> they, had they did have Mars. They did have Mars. They were very they were very reliant on Leonardo Ushoa that season, I remember. Um, the, my one problem with Fulham is that what we remember of them is like it's always the good. Very rarely do we re- we uh, remember like the first thing that comes to our minds when we think of Fulham is all the terrible performances. And I think the thing that sums it up most is when you look at their form chart, which is just their last five results, it's it's four losses and one win, and that one win was that um, obviously the previously mentioned four two comeback win at home against Brighton, which had everyone thinking, okay, Fulham, they're back on track, maybe they can do this. But then they'll always just come back. They'll never be able to put through like a string of good results. Is my point. So maybe they put up a little fight against United this weekend, but I, I just see United just tearing them to shreds on the counter because Fulham know they have to go forward and attack. You said two one. I had three one United. Andrew has two nil. Let's jump to Crystal Palace hosting West Ham, a London derby, Saturday at ten a.m. Andrew's got a 1-1 draw. I've got a 2-1 West Ham win. And Javier, how do you see this one going? I wanted to say nil-nil for this, but I think maybe these teams got a goal in it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with Andrew. I'm going to say 1-1. Okay. Huddersfield will host Arsenal also at 10 a.m. Andrew has a 3-0 Arsenal win. I've got a 3-1 win for Arsenal. And uh, Javier, 2-0 Arsenal. Only two? Yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm being a little conservative on Arsenal right now. I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it should be. You more. guys can't you're score right. three on Huddersfield. You're right. You're right. You're right. I'm changing it, Alex. Three, three no. Three no. Ah, good. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're so right. you're they're just little, copying. I was Andrew's just shitting results. on you earlier you're, in the pod, being no. like, "Ah, oh, they're trash. They're already relegated." But I mean, we are away. It is away from home. I mean, so. we beat them three 0 away on the first day of the season. We probably should have beaten them more. Like. They've never been good this season. They've had flashes, but they've beaten other bad teams. But they really haven't been able to put it together that much against the the top sides at all. Do you need to preview this one at all? It's, it's a pretty cut and dry. Arsenal should uh, make pretty easy work of Huddersfield, I imagine. Is there any potential for a slip-up with your injuries at the back? No, I uh, I don't I don't really see it. I just I don't I don't buy what uh what Huddersfield's selling at all. So I don't. I don't think there's any potential for an upset. Well, lucky for you, Huddersfield aren't selling anything. They have nothing to sell. They're uh, they're they're going down. Um, let's jump to the first really interesting game of the weekend, Saturday. Well, 10 they're selling also. championship tickets for next year. Oh, they already started that. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty funny if they did. <laughs> let's jump to the next the 10 a.m. games. Liverpool hosting Bournemouth Saturday uh, at Anfield. Andrew's got a 2-1 win for Liverpool. I'm going 3-1 and uh, Javier with a very high-scoring 3-2. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a fun one. I well, think. Bournemouth are kind of limping right now. I mentioned during the uh, Yeah, recap, their away form is is not good. But I think it's not just their away form, it's their injuries. They've got some really like very bad, badly timed injuries. I mean, you still spanked you with those injuries. Well, they they had David Brooks for that Chelsea game, and he was really important to them uh, for their game plan and for their counterattacking. And in that game, he's he got injured and he's out for the next four weeks. So you'd think that any sort of uh, similar game plan they might have for the Liverpool game would. Well, would, if they have Wilson and him. King back, then well, I don't Wilson, think they'll miss Wilson's Brooks still that injured. Much. Wilson's ah, okay. still injured. Wilson's still hurt. Okay. Yeah. That's the point. They're, Liverpool and Bournemouth both have some pretty significant injuries right now. Uh, Liverpool arguably probably more so than Bournemouth, but uh, Liverpool also have considerably better players uh, outside of their first like two or three or top two or three best players. So they, they miss some of those players a little bit less than Bournemouth would. Uh, why 3-2? What makes you think Bournemouth can go to Anfield and score twice? Because Palace did it. <laughs> Yeah, and just because, yeah, I think Liverpool have become more leaky lately defensively with their injuries, and I think that Bournemouth are a team that uh, usually score against Liverpool. So, I don't know. 
maybe maybe I'm being a little ambitious, but I just think it's going to be kind of a close game and not as easy as uh, as you make it out to be. I think Andrew also has two one it being a one goal game, so see, I don't okay, think it's going to be I super say, easy. When I say three one, I don't even think it's going to be like a blowout and like Bournemouth are going to get a consolation. I think it's going to be. 1-1 one, one or 2-1, like a one-goal game for the majority of it, and then Liverpool will wrap it up with the third sometime like close to the end, and that will be that. Like I, There's, there's such a thing as a close 3-1. I don't think Liverpool are sort of just going to automatically jump back up and get back into the win column this weekend. There's definitely a scenario where it's another difficult game for them, and Bournemouth are well-prepared and set up to, to stifle them. Because... Bournemouth have what you really need if you're going to go to Anfield and uh, and play well defensively. They have not only a good low block, but they've got good pressure like higher up the field. They're not quite what you would call a high pressing team, but those teams like uh, down the rest of the table, like Crystal Palace, is another one that they may not be the most talented team in the league. But Roy Hodgson has them very well prepared uh, in certain fixtures to read another team's tendencies, play in a low block, but also not allow them to. To just sort of walk through midfield and and allow bigger bigger and better teams to just sort of walk over them and as they get to the final third, it's going to be difficult for you to get to uh, Bournemouth or Crystal Palace's defensive third with the ball still in your possession. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be too surprised to see Bournemouth maybe get a shock result here, but I think the injuries will just sort of keep them from uh, realizing that. Uh, let's jump to Southampton, who will host Cardiff Saturday at ten a.m. Andrew has a 1-1 draw. I've got a 2-1 win for Southampton. And Javier, what do you have? Yeah, I've got 1-0 for Southampton. Cardiff haven't been good at all away from home, and Southampton recently have become very hard to beat at home. So this could even be like a 2-3-0 or win for Southampton. But I'm going to give Cardiff a little credit here and say 1-0. Well, huge relegation six-pointer, I think we have to add. Uh, Southampton yeah, it is, it is a big Southampton is sitting in 16th right now, two points ahead of Cardiff. So if Cardiff win this, they jump out of the, the relegation zone. That would be crazy if down. Cardiff won this. Yeah. If Cardiff won this, like they'd really put themselves in the shout, right? Well, I, I it wasn't too long ago. I, I want to say early January that uh, Cardiff went to Leicester and beat Leicester 1-0, which was kind of a shock result. So... They've certainly got the uh, the fortitude to go do it, but uh, let's jump to another difficult mid-table clash for Everton as they go to Watford Saturday at 10 a.m. Andrew's got a 2-1 Watford win. I've got a 2-1 Everton win, and Javier's got a draw, 2-2. We don't have time to talk about this one, but I always love it when we uh, we all pick three different results. One get one of us gets a draw, one of us picks a win one way and one of us picks well, a win the other way. It's Marco Silva's old team and you know this storyline already happened once this season but it's just didn't they draw earlier in the season? Oh no, Everton won, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah. But it wasn't that it wasn't that long ago. It was about a month or two ago. Right around Christmas. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't know. I I I see this one being I guess both Watford have been decently defensively. Maybe it's unfair to think Everton are going to score twice on them, but I just think Marco Silva is going to have something figured out to unlock those players, and he's going to say, "Ah, Mariapa, just just go at his left. Like he doesn't know how to defend. Like he's too slow. You know, he'll tell his players what to do. Take take your pick with Mariapa. (laughs) You can pick any number of faults and go after them. I really have no reason." I, I really just think Everton will be able to will just bounce back. I, I just feel like they usually don't go this long losing these uh, games that they're like pretty evenly matched in. And uh, yeah, Watford are pretty similar. They're, they're, they're pretty hot and cold themselves. And uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of a toss up. It's going to be a really interesting one to watch. But let's jump to the last game of Saturday at 12.30 p.m. Brighton will host Burnley. Yes, I know. Why? Is this at 12.30 p.m. and not, I don't know, Liverpool-Bournemouth? <laughs> or, hell, I would have taken Watford-Everton in the 12.30 slot. <laughs> that would have been a great game. Uh, but Andrew's got a 1-0 win for Brighton. I've got a 1-1 draw. And uh, Javier, you've got another nil No, your first nil-nil. Your weekly nil-nil, you're picking this one. Yeah, you should so, have won. It was in between the Palace-West Ham and this one. But this one... I think I'm. I think I got it this week. It's. It's. I'm almost sure it's this one. I'm almost tempted to pick like a two-two draw because you said last week that Watford Brighton would be high scoring and it ended nil-nil. So now that you think this is going to end nil-nil, I think I should go like against that. You know, what? I'm doing it. I'm going two-two, Brighton and Burnley. 
Yeah, watch that actually really be what happens. I just curse it like this. It's just the rule. Just go against (laughs) what happens. And the Palace West Ham game is going to be the nil nil. (laughs) All right, let's jump to Sunday, where Tottenham will host Leicester City in the first of two games. Sunday, 8 30 a.m. Andrew's got a 2 1 win for Tottenham. I'm going to ride the wave and stick with a 1 0 result. And uh, Javier, what do you have? I think uh, I think this is Tottenham's first draw of the season. Dude, they finally draw. They, the run finally ends. Yeah, I'm. I think they can't keep doing it, and I think that they can't keep getting away with it, right? <laughs> Literally, can they? They to can't quote, keep getting away with like not having Jesse the best players from Breaking and playing. Bad, they like, can't keep getting away with it. <laughs> I'm just like it's it's by by like just by you know statistics here. Like they have to drop points. They've been getting so lucky lately. They don't have Kane back. They don't have. Oh, yeah, please back. point me to the statistic that demands that Tottenham are going to stop winning games. It's just like it's. You're saying it's, it's just it's statistics. You can't just throw that out there. It's the Tottenham equation, and they've got a bunch of injuries. They they can't they can't do that. I don't I don't know. Also, wasn't this game? We might be going the completely wrong way here. Last year, wasn't this game like five four or something crazy? Like Vardy had two, right? It was Kane had three. Absolutely crazy! It was an absolutely insane game. I mean, obviously Tottenham are without a few of their best goal scorers, and Leicester aren't exactly lighting up the world uh, and don't have Riyad Mahrez anymore like they did last year. So I think I'm going to stick with my uh, my one nil Tottenham. I think it's going to be a really uh, tightly contested game, and Tottenham keep doing what they've been doing so well. So yeah, that's that for the first game of the nice little Sunday slate we've got this weekend. Uh, second, at 11 a.m. on Sunday, Manchester City will host Chelsea. Andrew's got a 3-1 win for Man City. Javier, you've got a similar result. 2-1 Manchester City. I'm guessing you guys are both saying it's going to be a pretty close loss. Uh, I'm going to say Chelsea come out and have a good performance and are able to take advantage of some Man City mistakes from a kind of sloppy performance off the back of all of these, uh, all of this fixture congestion they've had. I am curious and get a, because... And get a 2-2 draw. I think, we, I think we do it. I think we get a draw. I am curious because this is the two teams in the league that have the best possession stats. So... I, I'm not sure who's going to... I'm guessing City, they're at home. They're definitely going to have more possession. But Chelsea are going to try and get on the ball a lot. And they beat City 2-0 um, you know, last time they played. So it's it might be that Sarri's system is something that Pep has trouble with. Um, it seems like when he was at Napoli, he didn't have the players that he has at Chelsea. And Pep was really impressed with the way that Sorry, approached the game. I remember him commenting after the game when he was at Napoli how impressed he was with Sorry. So it's interesting that Sorry was then able to beat him in his first matchup against him, um, you know, versus the champions, uh, an established side that was in great form. So, you know, a, a draw is not unreasonable at all. And that's why I have 2 1, you know, a 2 1 win, which would be close, you know, closer yeah. than the Arsenal game. And. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be upset with that. Like, obviously, I want. Chel- I don't want Chelsea to lose. But if, if it's a good performance and we're not made to look like fools, like we have been in our last two top six away games, the uh, the Tottenham game and the Arsenal game both went very similarly. We were blitzed early on with a really solid high press and uh, conceded early goals and weren't able to sort of regain our footing and get back into it. I don't want to say City won't, aren't capable of that. They're perfectly capable of that. They could put the game to bed in the first 20 minutes. I'm just willing to bet that with all of these difficult games uh, back to back to back that they've had recently, yeah, I, I think it opens the door slightly for it to be kind of a sloppy opening first 30 minutes to this game. It settles down. City gain uh, sort of uh, the, the, the foothold and possession that they're used to at home. And then Chelsea are able to sort of work our spells in there. And I think we're perfectly capable of scoring too. And I was saying to you before we started recording, I don't even think that Gonzalo Higuain necessarily has to play extremely well. Like he doesn't need to score 100%. He just has to occupy defenders and occupy their focus to allow the rest of the team to be able to flourish, namely Eden Hazard, who usually shows up in games against Manchester City and uh, the top six in general. So I'm, I'm optimistic, but at the same time, it could all go horribly wrong. So let's wrap the pod up with uh, the last game of the weekend. Uh, Monday at 3 p.m., Wolves will host Newcastle United. 
Uh, Andrew's got a 1-0 win for uh, Wolves. I've got a 1-1 draw. And Javier, what do you have? Yeah, I think this one, you guys kind of have it being close, but I, I think Wolves are just going to pretty easily beat Newcastle. Um, do you I don't think, think Newcastle should. are back? Uh, no, Miguel they are, Moran, but I just think that Wolves maybe. are a lot better than them and have way more resources than them. And I think at home on a Monday night, they're going to want to put on a good show when, when everyone's watching. So I think they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna do it. I think they're going to win 2-0. I worry about Wolves a little bit against teams that like to flip the script on them, teams that like to sit off and let Wolves have the, the possession of the ball and be like the aggressor. I, I just I, I think Newcastle are perfectly capable of doing to Wolves what they've done to uh, to other top six teams this season. You know, they're I mean they haven't done it super consistently, but beating Manchester City it always leaves the thought in your back in the back of your mind like Newcastle or Newcastle are capable of. You know, grinding it out for sixty minutes, getting a goal or two, and either getting a draw or getting getting a win, like on the road. So, uh, I think they're going to do enough to get a draw. Before we wrap up the pod for this week, I want to let everyone know the Champions League is coming back next week, midweek. Uh, there will be the return of Champions League with knockout fixtures this weekend. Javier, myself, and Andrew is going to return to the pod, and we're going to do our previews for the Champions League round of sixteen. So uh, keep an eye out for that coming sometime early next week, around the same time as the uh, the weekend recap pod. Uh, Javier, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, it's I think we're going to switch back to once a week pods, just do uh, these midweek recap slash preview ones until uh, the end of the season. Yeah, there's 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 going to be a lot of midweek fixtures and stuff going on in Champions League and everything. So um, it's probably better to just kind of. Get it all, it all in, into in one. one week instead of you know fragmenting it all. Yeah, people people are going to be busy too. So, yeah, uh, n- maybe, namely, some pe- maybe some people. Maybe me. Will... Maybe I don't want to spend two or three nights a week uh, right. editing podcasts. Editing, editing pods. <laughs> maybe I want to come home from work and not do that. <laughs> and we, we appreciate you for that, Alex. It, well, yeah, no problem. It's, it's, the, it's, it's the fun unsaid, to do once a week. Is a good work number. that gets done in this pod. You know what? Shout out to Andrew, whose job is to do that. You know, it's uh, it can be very uh, monotonous and tedious, but it's. Uh, it's all well, worth it when the finished product. It, but no, yeah, no, but I'm saying Andrew, does, Andrew does that does it for his job, and he did it for the first oh, right. he does two years job. of this yeah, show. No, that's, yeah, that is monotonous and hard to do. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Javier, thanks again for coming on. Uh, we're going to end there. Go follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Andrew Pissarro, at ASMoss92, uh, at Javier Rev, and of course at Ghost Goal Pod. Uh, go rate, subscribe, and review the pod on iTunes. Uh, when you review and rate the pod, it increases our visibility to people searching for new soccer podcasts. So uh, we all want to get new listeners. So uh, go do that for us. It would be greatly appreciated. And until next time, thanks.